You're listening to Red Nation Online. Gets a second chance to cross the ball. It's going to come to Williams. And the header is the second goal for Toronto FC for the Philadelphia Union. And Joe Bendit looks around as if to say, well, who was responsible for that? But the Philadelphia Union... September 7th, it's Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark and we're back speechless after this past week and another heartless performance from TFC. 2-0 loss to Philadelphia, well not mathematically, but realistically to anyone who's followed this club for 8 seasons, all but confirms this is not a playoff team. It's not the most organized pod we've done, but that's fitting as we discuss a roster in shambles that can't defend crosses or set pieces or bring attacking pressure with confidence. Of course, we weigh in on Ryan Nelson, Greg Vanny, Tim Bezbachenko, and Jermaine Defoe with the reminder to all, after eight seasons, what the definition of insanity is. All this and more on the next 35 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. That was good. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it's fitting. Yeah. That's a good start. The yeah, other thing that I thought was. So we're witnessing the free fall of uh, TFC. Yeah, and the other thing I thought was fitting, Steve. I don't know if you noticed this. This was the first time I can think of in a long time where walking into the stadium, I don't think we said a word until we got. I noticed it. To Princess Gates. There wasn't anything to say. Speechless. Yeah. Speechless is probably how I would definitely describe the state of this club and the, and the game this afternoon. Yeah. Now we have. There's obviously lots to talk about. So but let me ask you a prediction because I, I was thinking it's, it was a predictable outcome. So what was your uh, prediction on the game? I I picked a draw. You picked a draw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I was bold. Forever the I was bold. Yeah, forever the optimist, and I was very bold with my prediction of one-one draw. Yeah. And I think there was fleeting moments in the <laughs> second half where Toronto looked like they were kind of in the game, but I would maybe put that more to Philadelphia wasn't really playing, which made it a little bit even more depressing. Uh, except at the end when they pressed us and had, like, you know, a shot at will. Yeah, where we had four defenders and the other six players were hovering around the half. Because our players had given up on that when they pressed and then they got caught on yeah. a counterattack. We, it, it was like we were trying to do the counterattack and then we got caught on, our, on a counterattack ourselves. Yeah, and no one, tra- right at the end. no one tracks back. And that's, I mean, there's so many there's so many ways, or ways to think about this and words to describe. I mean... It was it was a little bit better than last weekend, but overall it still looked seemed heartless. Is kind of the way is what I was thinking. Like it just didn't seem like there was any heart out there uh, as a team and as a unit to really you know all all the no I wouldn't say all the talk, but some of the talk that you know people say when you fire your coach and the new guy comes in and this and that. So there hasn't been a, we haven't talked since the coach firing really. No. Actually, no. so there's been quite a few things that have happened since last game, right? So uh, the coaching staff gets cleared out, except for one. Yep, Jason Ben. Yeah, and Rachel wasn't there today. <laughs> you know, you picked up on that immediately. It no one, no one else time. noticed. 
<laughs> which says, says volume speaks volumes to me. Yeah, the deafening silence when Rachel's not in the stadium, I guess. It's perfect. I didn't want to hear all the ads. Yeah. They were held victim to having to listen to. And so there's a new coach. Uh, D-Rose in the starting lineup. Down one DP. Yeah. Um, who tweeted uh, seven minutes before start time saying, got a big game, good luck, guys. Oh, is that right? And he's expected back sometime this week. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think actually tomorrow he's expected back for all the uh, rumors about the QPR signing. We'll see if he shows up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. that, well, that's for sure. But, I mean, uh, I mean, I got a few tweets, a few emails, and one directly saying, are you guys going to do a midweek podcast, a special edition? And I would have, I would have loved to, but, you know, this podcast doesn't pay. <laughs> and the things that do took priority during the week. So here we are a week later, and as Steve said, you said so much has happened, and Ryan Nelson's gone. And I don't know if we want to... Bezpachenko flexes his muscle. Lots of people were calling for his head today. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, I don't know how much the house clearing, like how much of a house clearing needs to be done, but I know that it's never worked for us in the past. Yeah. So I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, I kind of feel like in, in my preview, I said, you know, this year is turning into just a nasty cocktail of one half 2009 and one half 2010. I just where, I feel where, like how much of the cancer you cut out before like the body's gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and as Toronto FC supporters, <coughs> it's very much been there. Done. Like it's just it, it's. I'm reliving the same day over and over. We see this thing where Bespachenko brings in Vanny as a coach in the wings, and we saw that in 2011 when Cochrane and, and Anselmi brought in Mariner, who was just waiting in the wings until he fails and then they, they don't put him as an interim they set it as the head coach and it's just like we we did this already this but, already happened yeah. we've done this you know what I mean it's like yeah. and it's again Toronto FC this is the way you describe it but it's just like what's the definition of insanity man this is insane yeah it's pretty crazy and you know if I'm just like blunt about it you know we can obviously strip the layers and see, like look at minute differences and whatnot. but at its core or at face value this is here we are again after the way after we spent $13 million, probably, well, realistically a lot more, but I mean, salary-wise, there's roughly between three players, but 13 to $15 million. <laughs> and eight months later, we fired our coach and, and brought in a new guy, and it's just like, oh, fuck, it's just like 2012 or 2000. Pick your year. Pick your year. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's all the same. For sure. <laughs> and But the one thing, I guess, if we, you know, we can touch and go and go back and forth and sort of discuss the way this week has gone but if I mean if you want to talk about today a little bit yeah there let's was talk a about the game a bit I mean. yeah because we can talk shit at the end we'll, we'll make sure. a bookend but the one thing I thought was at least interesting I mean the players are there's not a lot available now but uh out of that starting lineup I thought the most interesting thing was seeing that Di Rosario got the start yeah got the start yeah how did you what do you think of his performance I didn't think it was considering he's hardly played a minute I, I wasn't discouraged by it. I thought it was decent. And it's like when he was signed by the club, I could see possibly how he would fit in. And I know there's concerns about his age, but when I saw him come to the team, I referenced his games for Canada uh, in the beginning of the year when they played Slovenia. And I thought he looked, pr- I thought he looked decent in those games. You know, and he's, he had his chances and he was pressing. And I was like, you know what, I could maybe see in a, an attacking sense where you have you know Bradley as that holding mid 
and Di Rosario as that sort of all over the place creative attacking guy that could sit behind Defoe or Gilberto so you have layers of attacking options but we never saw that so to see him out there today I thought okay you know we've got one more option up front to kind of create things and I think we saw a little bit of it but until he gets a few more games I'm not really sure on of course they got to build chemistry I mean he worked a lot with uh, Hagland on that side on the on the first half where he played I guess on the right side mm-hmm. um, and uh, then switched uh, at the half to play on the left side which was still our side um, so we got really more to see uh, up close from him uh, we saw a lot of uh, there was lots of uh, he was making lots of plays uh, Hagelin got a run for sure uh, I saw a lot more effort out of Hagelin I think he was working Hag- Hagelin a lot more uh, maybe Hagelin felt like he had to run for Dero uh, in the second half, when he did press into the forward position, uh, we started getting chances. We had probably one of our best chances on net then. I just, I just feel like maybe you know he's not game fit at this point, right? So, given a few more games, we might see a better performance from him. But that's not the he, issue. He, work, he works the flank, right? Yeah, and I think the thing is, is that we can talk about the potential up top, but as looking at his team, the issue is, uh, is that back, and you know, six minutes in. We see a play that seems to be it seems to be occurring a lot, whether it's on set pieces or from open well, it field. Might, it might be because of that formation where they bring Hagelin and Bloom up higher in the flanks, and then they leave a weak two-player back line between yep. Orr and Henry. Well, Hen- I w- Hen- Hen- Henry's well, I guess Henry will miss the next game, right? Yes, it sounds like he's on his fifth yellow. And uh, Orr, I heard, was limping in yesterday's practice, so I don't know how uh, his fitness is going to hold out. I, I think we're it's the walking wounded out there of sorts, right? So and to have force these guys to run a lot. And Noir did a lot of running. Uh, Henry's, uh, you know, can be some sometimes a, unpredictable at, at the best. You know, yeah. I, I think people were thinking he was going to get a second yellow today. A lot of times. Anyway, I just I don't know if it's the wisest thing to be pushing those uh, those outside back line players up that high. I mean, I know we try and get attacking options at it, and obviously we don't have an attacking... Like, we don't really have a great finisher. Gilberto's not it, and we don't have anyone else, right? So I don't know who's going to score goals for us. So we can blame the back line, but they're just soaking up pressure while they're out there. We have no one who's a finisher. There's no one scoring for us. And again, this is the ghost of the past, right? This has been our, our problem every year. I don't think there's we've ever solved this problem of a striker who who's, sticks it out for us and can finish, and we can't rely on one, right? I Yo, mean, that's, when that's we were doing that's better this season, when we were doing better this season, the goals are coming from everyone, right? They're, right now, they're coming from nobody, right? So, and a part of me wanted to kind of say, I mean, that's I kind of got the impression that, like, when today's performance kind of told me something where, you know, if this team had been set up. With a, with a system or a philosophy, you know, you could lose guys and they could continue on. You see that with Kansas City. You see that with Real Salt Lake. You see that with the good teams in the league. And I'm starting to wonder if the early part of the year where we were looking good was riding on the shoulder of just strong individual performances. You know, our back line looked good because we had Stephen Caldwell anchoring it. 
and he's a good, you know, he's a he's an experienced defender yeah. or Justin Morrow. Be- at the beginning, we had a spine, right? Yeah, Defoe was there, and Caldwell was in the back, and and they were all playing. Bradley, like Bradley was able to push forward up, yeah, further up, and Gilberto was in as the number nine, right? So right. we had that we had that line. We right now we have only two of those players out of the four. Our right. spine is pretty much in half, right? Yeah. And the point I wanted to get at, especially when I'm thinking about, yeah, when I'm thinking about that first goal, was just like you're watching our defense, and at times, you know, you're just saying to yourself, "You guys don't have a fucking clue what they're doing, right? Like, how is that? How is that? It's like there's no leader on the back line, and there's no leader from behind them, really. And at this point of the year, you would expect there'd be a little more cohesiveness or consistency since even if they haven't been playing together they've all been on the same team practicing every day yeah and going out week in and week out and i mean in that first goal i i don't want i'm just going to say how it happened because it's not i don't want to pick on anyone but you know it was a situation where you have Haglin pushing forward and there's that gap down the left side or gets caught out like we saw last week against new england when he gets caught out anyone with a little bit of pace just goes right by him well, and then you have Henry, who, like we said, at, at the best of times, is a bit of a, a crapshoot in terms of like his positioning. I mean, he is. He, but that's he, what I mean by when you're thin at the back line. When you when you when you have players trying to cover more than one player, they don't know which one to run to or which one to cover. So you know, you basically got to man mark everybody when when you're being attacked, and you got to make sure that that person follows the play, right? So if you've got a guy coming back from forward like Hagland or Bloom on the sides, they're trying to scramble to pick somebody up. And that also leaves the middle running between players, yeah. which is what happened, right? That's exactly what happened. Right? Because so, the ball went across to the other side and or slid back in, and then it was a moment of, okay, who's got what? Who's got who? Where where are we? And by that point, it was too late. Yeah, the ball was already at uh, Connor, Connor Casey's head, right? And it was in. Uh, and, you know, he had an, an earlier touch on the play, and then the ball came back to him in the center when he got uh, back into position. So the ball went back and forth, and, you know, that's enough to create enough uh, distance for the, the shift in the back line to be running between players, right? It's a beautiful play. Yeah. Anyway, and the, and the, be- the, be- the thing that we were comparing against is that uh, we were at least uh, losing maybe five minutes later in the game than last week. Yeah. <laughs> That was probably the only. Well, I was gonna say at least, at least last. You know, if we wanted to do a silver lining, last week, last week we were down two 0 at the sixth minute. But this time it was just one. That's right. So that's that's. I guess you could say maybe a step in the right direction. <laughs> Supposedly. No. No, we, not but really. But we hit. Uh, uh, and the other thing that the smoke and mirrors will probably report is that we hit. We had bad breaks, right? People will say we had bad breaks because we did hit two. Uh, three cross, crossbars. Three posts. So three hit the word work three times. So, Bloom hit it. Haglin hit it, and then uh, Bradley. Oh, Jackson hit, sorry. And Bradley hit one. Yeah, yeah that's who it was, sorry. that kick, right? That Bradley shot was beautiful. Uh, if you look at it, he took, the, he took the set piece, he hit the wall, and the ball came back out to him, and he hit it with his left foot. And it was a cracker of a shot from a left footer, like from a guy who's a right-footed player. It was a beautiful shot for a left foot. Add on and, Jackson, to that. and Jackson came on two, just two minutes prior. He took out D-Row and hits a crossbar, which was great. And you're like, well, we were like, uh, will we see anything from Jackson? And then two minutes later, he hits the crossbar. Yeah. But that was pretty much it. I mean, we didn't see much else from him. So I guess his impact in terms of an impact player is about two minutes, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I mean, last weekend we made specific note of Michael Bradley, and I thought this game... He showed a, a lot more, probably more the, of the kind of guy that we expected. But at, the, at he this certainly point, had a midweek 
press conference, which I was uh, sure he was pressed into doing. Yeah. Uh, just like I think uh, Jermaine Defoe was pressed into doing that pregame tweet, uh, where he tried to basically um, assure people that he was here to stay and just uh, uh, maybe sort of quell some of the rumors of all the flight that's been going on with the, the team yeah. amidst all the firings and stuff. You know, with the firings, then came Defoe being in England, and everyone's like, oh, he's not coming back, uh, he's going to join Scissor. Uh, uh, so, uh, with QPR and all this other stuff, I mean, you know, I'm sure that they pressed him to try and do something to say, I'm here. I don't know if you heard that press conference, but I heard it, and it was just, uh, to me, it seemed like, I think he was pressured into saying it. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that he was, uh, I don't think that he's not going to stay, I don't know, I have no idea, who knows, right? I'm sure he was pressed into saying it. Well, look, I can, I can. Let's let's be honest. Let's talk about this, right? They said that uh, Di Rosario wasn't at Celtic. He was. They said Plata wasn't in Ecuador. He was, right? And they're saying that you know Defoe's going to be here. Frings. Yeah, and, and you know Frings was injured. Like, come on, Everyone, like guys, yeah. fool me once, fool me twice. Yeah. Fool All me right? once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, and it's just like. Let's just let's it's, just. It's hard to believe anything that comes out. No, of the and it's like it, let's, it, this is not a, this is not a stretch, right? Okay, Defoe wants to leave. Toronto holds their guns, and they tell him, "Look, we'll let you go in January. Come back and finish the year, because we look like a bunch of fucking idiots right now." Which they do either way, the way the season's been panning out. But more so, if he doesn't come back and at least put in a couple shifts. I mean, that's the way I would read into it and saying, "Yeah, you know what? He'll probably come back." just to honor an, uh, probably a backhanded or backroom agreement saying, if I come back and finish this year, you're letting me go in January. And that's probably, I would imagine, what the situation's going to be. I think he's, he's done. There's no way after the way the season's shaken out that we're going to well, see him Well, I also year. think that he was partially here because of Ryan Nelson, right? Didn't they play together? Yep. So I feel like now that Nelson's gone... Uh, part of his support network is here. It's not because, like, you know, people credit Drake for bringing him here, but I really think that, like, it was more Nelson than Drake, right? So with Nelson gone... He was Nelson's target for sure. But that was Nelson, the guy that Nelson wanted, and... With Nelson gone, what's what's he playing for? Yeah, that's what I think anyway. I don't know. Yeah, well, he didn't come to Toronto to play for Greg Vanny. No, for sure not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's probably something to consider. And especially when it's like his former coach at Tottenham, Harry Redknapp wants him at Queens Park Rangers. It's just how can you can't compete with that? Like in terms of like pulling pulling the players, uh, you know, pulling him in a direction. He's gonna go. He's gonna go back where he was successful. Yeah. And that was under Redknapp, and that's kind of like the case closed. So, if Toronto could sell him for the rumor that they were saying they could sell him for, I say do it because they're making a profit. Now, we don't get all that money. Obviously, the league ends up <laughs> stealing a bunch from it, but maybe they'll be nice and let us recoup what we paid. I don't know if there's any... Like I said, we're going to shift back and forth probably between some things. Well, uh, we saw something new from uh, from Vanny, right? We saw um, a player on the back line that we've never seen before. Cravel? Is it Cravel? We've seen him on the road a little bit. Like, he filled in at right back when Bloom was out, but we haven't seen much of Cravel because he came in and then he got injured almost right away. So, We saw yeah. him for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And then we saw Becker again. <laughs> right. Becker made a, an appearance, but uh, got a couple guys got pulled back from Canada duty to fill out the bench. A couple of them saw a little bit of playing time, and then I'm sure once the ranks are filled out, they'll go back to sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Or sitting in the stands or wherever they are. So that's right, something. Right, because Canada's playing in Jamaica on Tuesday, right? Yep. And then, uh, so we saw, yeah, we saw those guys come back in. 
And you know, as we go through that, I mean, it was two nothing by the time the half went over. And it was again, the same old 44th minute off a set piece where it was just, it's, if you think back at the last like few, lot of, like a lot of goals that we've scored, I mean, going back to the 4-1 loss in Kansas City, it's crosses, it's all crosses and set pieces that we're getting bird on or penalties given up. It's, we're not getting nailed from open play. It's all, well, I mean, I guess a cross technically is, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're getting, people are walking through our team. It's just that they're coming down the wing, which tells me something that, that I would add to the way this team's been set up this year is that this team's been figured out. Like, if it's the same thing happening over and over, the yeah. teams, know, teams know what to do. Or is anyone really studying us? <laughs> like, do you think people are studying us? I don't know if we've been figured out so much as maybe we're just not a good team. I'm looking at the lineup and I'm thinking, this isn't our starting lineup. This is like a bunch of guys who are left. Yeah, but you know, Steve, I have to, I have to say this is the same thing going backwards. Like the good so, teams and, in the league, you know what I mean? We went into Kansas City and they were missing well, eight always, starters. I always said the depth was a, an important part of this team, right? Which we don't have. Sure. We never did. We didn't invest in depth. We invested in some keynote players, which is fine. But there, there wasn't much to follow up after that, right? You're, you had, you had barely an eleven, and then who was left? There was nobody to substitute them out if they got tired, if they got hurt. Like, you were going to start seeing a lot of gaps after that. Yeah. We haven't, I don't know, we just don't have the, we haven't built a team, right? Sure. We, we keep uh, dismissing them after after class every week, every year. They're just, they're gone. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, the point, the, the one example that, that I want to bring up, My criticism up, is the turnover is crazy. I mean, it's been the same criticism I've always brought. The, the turnover is not good for this team. It's not healthy. Yeah. Because it's like, you look at a team like, like I said... It's like, easy to call for people's heads, but fuck, when are you going to start building this team? Well, yeah. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like, Kansas City, is it necessarily that their depth players are so much better? Or that they have, you know, the, the depth players they bring in, they bring in to fit the system they have in place. And that they know what they're going to do, and they just go out and do it. People were complaining about uh, Connor Casey and how many goals he scored against us. And I was thinking, well, there. That says volumes to me. They've got a player that's played repeatedly... <laughs> on their team for many years and continues to come back and score against us. And we don't have, I don't know, I mean, the Rosario's on the line. That's yeah. about it, right? Yeah. And, and it was a shock to get him in the lineup this time. Yeah. So we can't really make the same claim. No. And if we go through, Steve, just, I mean, we're not, I don't think we need to go through the second half. We touched on some points. But I think, I think, you know, some people might say, yeah, there's a little bit of a silver lining. We look better in the second half. But I really do think I that. I didn't think we looked better in the second half. I, I disagree with well, that. Well, but you saw runs from Bradley. The chances, all the, all the woodwork came in the second half. Yeah, but I also think that uh, more shots came from Philadelphia in the second half. And I felt like we were tired by the second half. I felt in that last 15 minutes, the tw last 15, we gave it up. Like, we, we, that was a traditional collapse that we'd seen in all every year past, right? I mean, there was so much about this that was like a rerun that was just awful. And people were just tired of seeing the show, right? The show has been seen many times before, and it's an awful show. No one wants to see it. <laughs> well, apparently, Steve, twenty-two thousand came out to see it today. Yeah, it was crazy. There's your, there's a, I don't know, there's a which smoke was, and mirrors and a load of shit, which <laughs> is whatever, all in one. Well, it certainly led to a lesson behind us uh, about the difference between simple math and problematic math, which is being taught in schools these days, right? Simple math is not being taught in schools these days. <laughs> no, and it's valid. It, yeah, it's no, valid, I, I, I totally mean, agree. I, anyway. Uh, and if we look, do, dare we look ahead, Steve? Is there anything in, I mean, we got Chicago next weekend. We're coming back, Chivas USA, uh, a Sunday game. 
Yeah, Sunday game. I'm that's, not sure I'm going to make that. That's a weird one, eh? 3 yeah. p.m. on Sunday. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, that's the, Greg Vanny came out and was sort of saying, that, you know, with the approach that he had to make, and I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, obviously the team, the morale is at the bottom of the barrel, and that's probably the, the priority number one. But, you know, he, he, comes, he gets hired on a, on a Monday, a Sunday or a Monday, on a Monday, got has a game, a game on, on Wednesday. Wednesday and then a game two days later. Yeah, I mean he has. I guess no, the same team that beat him. Yeah, there's there's no time to prepare for anything different, and really all you have to do. I mean it's just the it's, the timing couldn't be any worse. You know what I mean? If if there was a, if it was a week where there wasn't a game, there's a little bit a sliver that yeah. maybe something can change. But yeah. I mean it's really it's just go, running through the motions and practice and and telling the guys like chin up guys like we can win this game. Yeah, which they don't believe they can. Yeah, it's dire, man. So that's what you're left with, and you know, as we as we roll out, you know, and, and we kind of think of this some things. I would recommend, you know, we we might give a, a few parting shots and a little f- final thoughts of the situation with this team. Vocal Minority Pod did it one hour and forty minute almanac on the situation with this team, verbal almanac, and I would recommend checking it out because they covered a lot of bases on that. Uh, of the whole situation and we'll try to uh, give our perspective that's maybe a little bit different or a little bit fresh on the way things went down and if I kind of want to just kind of say like leave this little last portion Steve just saying like what our final thoughts were on Nelson as a coach you know a tweet that got went out and got deleted immediately after his fire from Gilberto was a thumbs up and then it was (laughs) gone and a lot of people caught that and I know you said you asked me Steve teams actually were, were researching us and I'm not I would just say I'm not like super well connected but I I do I do get some information and I can tell you yes we are and the the word is is that teams come to Toronto knowing three points is theirs because they know the way this team plays that it, and it never changes that our defense sits deep so you can come in and catch them at the 18-yard line. And we saw that from New England. We saw that today. It's, it's a reoccurring thing. That's like, it's, not, it's no coincidence, the way these games have been breaking down as late, that the, the verdict is out. We're an easy three-point three gift. And You're, teams welcome. Know it. And You're te- welcome, Union. Yeah, and teams <laughs> know it. So that's, to me, but that's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of people said, is this the right time? You know, should we have fired Nelson now? Was it really the New England game? And for me... <laughs> I gotta be honest, there's not a lot of coaches who I've, I, I don't think we've praised too many coaches on this podcast because at the bottom line, I've really never felt there's been any that have been qualified. Like Hard, that we've had? That, that you could hold up, to, that you could look at their CV and it held up to scrutiny. And Ryan Nelson, of course, was no different. And I felt like for a, quite a while. Well, many people thought that he didn't have any qualifications, right? Well, it, it, he didn't. <laughs> no, but I mean... Like, there was nothing... I mean, obviously, there was nothing proven, right? So that's why people were calling for his head a long time ago, and people felt that Liwicki was foolish for keeping him as long as they did, right? So, I mean, Bezbachenko just fucking trying to clean up Liwicki's work, I suppose. The stuff that Liwicki doesn't want to do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Liwicki inherited him, so it wasn't Liwicki's call, I don't think. He didn't hire Nelson. He just inherited him. Right, and neither did Bezbachenko. Yeah, I agree with all that. And now that Liwicki's on the outs, I think... Bezpacheco sitting there saying to himself, "This is on my hands. Yeah. Like, people are going to look to me." And he's like, "I don't, I don't like this guy. Yeah. I never wanted him here." Yeah, it was it was Anselmi's and Payne's guy. But is Vanny the guy that he wanted? 
I think he's the stopgap. I don't think he's the the coach that's going to solve things for us. Yeah. Who and, knows? And we, let me we, let me. And, it's hard to tell, right? Yeah. And I'll say this about Vanny: as much as like I can, Bezbachenko talks about him, and he, you know, he talks a bit of a game, as he did. When Certainly, he, the qualifications were right up front. Yeah. Well, let me say this: Bezbachenko did a nice pitch of Gilberto when they signed him, and if you if you listen to people who were from Brazil describe Gilberto didn't line up with what he was saying okay so let me just kind of put that out there and it's like i can understand the discussion about you know vanny is this guy i certainly think it's smoke and mirrors that's what i'm saying yeah too. and I'm, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you and and i'll be, and i'll add but to our my, case but my point was that like they were trying to highlight his qualifications and i think they were trying to build him up right more uh, so you know right away i've got my guard up thinking He's probably not all that. No, and you know, I loved. I would love to give Vanny a chance. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, benefit of the doubt. But given who he's uh, signed for. <laughs> yeah, and but if I lay this, if I lay this, sure, out, go ahead, please. Right, where it's just, you know, the argument. A lot of people make the argument that you know, there's a lot of examples of guys who have limited experience of coming and have done been successful or done well in the league. Of course, Jason Christ is the guy that they is is the poster boy. Now, I would first say Jason Christ is an exception to the rule. He is not the norm. Second of all, then people say, Ben Olsen, you gave him a chance and now he's doing something at DC United. They're the top team in the Eastern Conference. Or you look at Jay Heaps. I mean, New England came into BMO last week and they looked great. And he's a guy that just transitioned straight from a player. Now the difference I say is that... Carl Robinson. Yeah. But (laughs) but even Carl Robinson. But this I'll say about someone like Robinson. Or someone like Nelson, who Nelson tried to talk about his qualifications, which I think don't hold up under scrutiny. When you look at Christ, or you look at Olsen, or you look at Heaps, first off, those guys all played anywhere from 200 to 300 games in MLS. So they have that background. Nelson didn't have that background. While Vanny may have played most of his career in MLS, both Christ and the thread that I'm, I'm drawing here is that potentially is a part of their success is that you know, Christ was a Real Salt Lake player for a, a period of time. Ben Olsen played almost his entire career at DC United, and Jay Heaps played almost his entire career in New England. I mean, Jay Heaps is New England. Ben Olsen is DC United. And, they, they and, tie, yeah. and, and that Christ was the poster boy for Real Salt Lake. Ryan Nelson has no connection to Toronto FC. Greg Vanny has no connection to Toronto FC. Like, it's just a, st- it's just a stop in the road. It's just a place to get paid. Yeah. It's not where their heart is, right? Di Rosario maybe his heart's here, or maybe Dickio. It's not lining up, but that's that's when I'm looking at Vanny, the doubts that I have. Should we be looking at Di Rosario as the coach? <laughs> no, I'm just like, I just threw that out there. Well, but, about, but it's maybe not so ridiculous, right? Right. So that's kind of what, and of course, it's like, again, I tie the, the situation to me eerily feels like the end of 2012 when we had the guy in the front office putting in his guy who was just kind of sitting on ice until shit went pear-shaped and then they fired the coach and put in the technical director or whatever Mariner was at that time and now slots in on the sideline. I would, I would probably put uh, Danny ahead. I mean, he played here. He had some emotional years. We have an emotional tie to him. And he's been, you know, he's been going through the... He's been getting his licenses, oh, okay. getting his experience. He's coaching the youth teams. His kids are, his son plays for the academy. You know what I mean? There's a little more invested from his perspective perspective that I think than some other people. That's kind of some things that I'll say about this situation and what 
you know, and I kind of like leave it to the listener to draw your own conclusions. Well, I'll leave it with another song. I'm glad it's all over. <laughs> all right. If, hey, Steve, wait, the tickets that you got. Oh, yeah. We right. should make, I want to make two announcements. You guys sort of like mentioned two things. Of course, talking about D. Rosario this week, September 9th, Canada against Jamaica. We got this handout from the CSA. They finally showed up at a Toronto FC game. They yeah. kind of let us know that they exist. It's nice. They, yeah. Maybe they, maybe they should have had a booth at the CNE. That might have been smart when there's yeah. about a gazillion people, not when TFC is shitting the bed and no one cares and is showing <laughs> up. But two for one discount offer for tickets for this game. Promo code two four one C A N. I guess if you go on Ticketmaster and you punch that in, you can get a two for one discount. So check that out. And then if I can maybe toot my own horn. In, in the heading into this game against Jamaica, there's, we're going to be publishing an article, and it's about uh, you know unattached players or underutilized ones that uh, that affects the national team player depth, and uh, two of them are on Toronto FC. Speak of the devil, right. Kyle Becker and and uh, Ashton Morgan, underutilized players that I think are in need of a fresh start. So hopefully, whether Vanny sees some value in them, they you know Ashton Morgan played in midweek and. Uh, Becker got some minutes today, but maybe that's just because he's got no one else to choose from. So if he, if that's the case, then I think there's teams in this league that'd be more than happy to bring them on. So at that, on that note, guys, uh, Toronto FC slip, slip, slipping away. I don't know what to say about this 2014 season, but uh, we're down the home stretch, and we'll be back next weekend as they play Chicago Fire and have more conclusions will be drawn about what's going on with this team, how Greg Vanny is doing after two weeks and uh, what the future holds in terms of uh, Jermaine Defoe coming back possibly. Probably not, <laughs> is my thoughts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hang in there, guys. Who says hang in there? Garfield? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and you know what? I guess we're finishing this podcast the way we started, Steve. A little bit speechless. Yeah. So we'll catch you guys next time. Hey, thanks for listening. Anything you want to kick to us, info, what have your say at Red Nation Online. Catch me at Clark RNO. There's still lots to talk about. We're still coming to the games. So we'll catch you next week. Thanks again. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at RedNationOnline or on email at info at RedNationOnline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out other podcasts on RedNationOnline.ca from the Black Hole and their gaffer and hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.